0: Two dudes talking about Scooby Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show
1: is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ,
0: we are your
1: Scooby Doo.
0: So I, I started. Um, if, whenever I have something at work that doesn't really require like a lot of like mental faculties, I'll listen to a podcast. You know, as you do.
1: Makes sense. Yeah.
0: Um, And so I I got back into this one podcast that I uh, have been listening to called um, Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Okay. And it's three black actors slash comedians. And they just like, they review a movie, discuss it, and then talk about whether it helps the cause of black men in Hollywood. Hmm. But they don't start the episode until one of them um, says the name of the movie that they're going to be reviewing, but uh, seamlessly sort of like organically brings it up in conversation.
1: So is it, when you drop into this episode, if they're reviewing, I, I, I'm not even sure. I say the movie white men can't jump. Sure. Um, they would you just if you're listening to it you tune in and you just hear white men can't jump and then the conversation goes on
0: so so the example or you hear a bit of a lead in. I, they were doing aladdin okay and then they're talking about oh yeah you know like when my when i was younger my favorite my favorite disney movie was uh, was tarzan or like beauty and the beast or whatever i was like yeah so so uh james the third i think i can't remember who was saying who i you know it's hard for me to put like names to voices because i don't listen that often but he was like so you could say that back when he was younger when he was a lad in the 90s. <laughs> oh, that's good. That is really good. It was it was I was actually really impressed by that.
1: Taking a name like that and making a construction out of it I was trying to think of another a real la- life Aladdin I could reference Well,
0: here's the thing Is that not literally what you used to do on an almost daily basis?
1: That is, It's what I do But like I wouldn't do it after we start recording a podcast And there's like basically a three minute countdown of like We need a good joke to start this thing out I would do it of like, alright, it's first period I have until seventh period study <laughs> hall To come up with one pun based joke That can have up to five minutes of preamble When it's... the time comes down to it
0: i'm so glad i didn't know when we were in high school that you would spend all day uh
1: and i you know i wish it just occurred to me i'm like maybe i could do one of those right now um to lead us into this episode but i don't know if i can because the title of what we're doing is so uh i mean it's just one one word that is very specific unto its own context
0: you know what i am a little disappointed by what was way back when when we were first just like oh there's gonna be a new scoob Uh, CGI Mm -hmm. cartoon movie that's coming out. Oh, but it's SCOOB, blah, 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 Mm blah. They never want... Sorry, spoilers for both last episode and this episode. They never... There's no acronym that is SCOOB.
1: You know, yeah, I I thought when we were setting it all up, it'd be, like, SCOOB. Like, it's the society etc. I'm not going to finish no, no, it. No. <laughs> I saw your yeah. eyebrows go up and you lean in. Yes. All right, I can't deny that gesture. It's the society um for canines offering occult banishments. Exclamation point.
0: Wow. My- mine is okay. Su- supernatural Crimes Observation Organization. Brigade, <laughs> brigade. Oh, it got kind of militant right
1: at the end there. <laughs> I like it. Oh, oh. <laughs> this, this the timing. Um, what, what uh, am I gonna say now? <laughs> what is this?
0: <laughs> what is this sentence's point? <laughs> <laughs> I really thought... that was the verbal equivalent of someone taking a pencil putting it down to a brand new sketch pad and drawing a smiley face
1: that was the that was the verbal equivalent to reaching into both of your pockets and pulling them inside out <laughs> oh man with but a little there's... shrug as you lift your, po- <laughs> your hands out of your pockets yeah, what can i do <laughs> yeah uh, here's, here's the thing, you mentioned it a, cu- a little while ago, and we just anac- uh, acronymed it, SCOOB is the subject. This is part two of SCOOB, the movie, our review, recap, breakdown, analysis, and, I mean, who are we to be doing this? That's my question.
0: So we, uh, you, Luke, and myself,
1: Evan, we're the scooby Dudes. We're two best friends, here to talk about our favorite meddling kids. And their dumb dog, too. Named Scooby-Doo, or, in this movie, Scoob. Um, or Scooby Dooby middle name Do um, Evan, if I may, can I just recap the story so far that we covered in part one,
0: please? Because uh, did you watch this whole movie in preparation for this po- half of the podcast? I, I
1: picked up where we left off, watched okay. it all the way through, then I went back and I gave it all like a quick skim through just to make to be ready, basically for this recap. Perfect.
0: So, so you're in a better spot than me, please recap. Uh, I
1: hope so. So um, Shaggy Norville Roberts is a lonely child. Um, Rogers. Uh, Roger, thank you, uh, is a lonely child until he meets Scooby-Dooby-Doo, a random stray dog who he takes in, and they promise to be friends forever. They quickly meet Fred, Daphne, and Velma, three intrepid kids who are already friends. Um, They happen into crime solving or mystery solving, which in this world happens to be a viable gig. Um... From the time they're children, maybe eight years old till maybe 18, they're solving crimes or mysteries. That's the Scooby-Doo that we know and love from canon, kind of the mainstream Scooby-Doo canon occurs in that time. Then we cut into the first like 10 minutes into the movie, we're now at, at, with them thinking we need to make a business out of this. But Scooby and Shaggy don't really seem to have a place in that business because they're cowards and they're useless is the is the thought. Um, We then take kind of a really hard left into superhero world. Scooby and Shaggy are attacked by infant baby robots. Um, That's a bit redundant. Just baby robots, maybe I'll say. Um, And they run into the Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt, two superheroes in this world who they idolize. Um, Meanwhile, Fred, Daphne, and Velma are riding around in a van uh, just giving straight exposition on stuff that's on this the mystery, quote-unquote, which is um, around a MacGuffin surrounding the three skulls of Cerberus which must be collected for some reason. Dick Dastardly is our supervillain. He's trying to collect these skulls. Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt are trying to oppose him. Um, Scooby and Shaggy are along for the ride with Dino Mutt and Blue Falcon. Scooby's important to this mystery somehow. Fred, Daphne, and Velma have just been kidnapped by Dick Dastardly. And we cut into part two of Scoob! point.
0: So a little context, right before I get into where we start in the scene, is that Scoob has been sort of taken under the wing, metaphorical mm-hmm. and literal wing of Blue Falcon, <laughs> Yes, uh, and, and been outfitted with a little superhero costume, little a little super suit, he's, as you will. He's
1: had it spray-painted on 360 degrees. It's sprayed on his, like, below-the-tail area, shall we say, with a little sound <laughs> effect. And then we turn around. He doesn't have anything there. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> a, that spray was not necessary.
0: Um, and, and this was a really... This is an issue of contention for him and Shaggy, because Shaggy, when they are both children gives him uh, mm. a collar saying um i'll always be there for you Scoob says i'll never take it off he has taken it off we open up this is the second half of the film we open up with scoob he's preening in front of a mirror and the the little voiceover that i put to this uh, little moment was ra ride rock me <laughs> a little
1: buffalo william if you will (laughs) oh the lambs those those lambs are silent (laughs) that's all i got okay (laughs) um it really is him checking himself out in the mirror and shaggy judging him from behind this is kind of where the conflict bubbling up, Shaggy being judgmental about Scooby's newfound success, and it, it really is, it swoops in, Scooby being like, oh, you're special, let's get you an outfit and all this stuff. They hanging on Blue Falcon, just making that decision. Blue Falcon definitely is holding the idiot ball most of this movie, all of this movie. I've never heard of that euphemism before. I, I think Hank Azaria coined it um, when he was in the writer's room uh, for some TV show, I can't remember what, but it's when one character acts unusually stupid for the sake of the plot. Oh, I,
0: that's... Great, actually. What it's, about uh, what about in a podcast when one of the hosts is acting extraordinarily stupid for the sake of, let's say, entertainment? They call that a big brain move. That's uh, <laughs> four four D chess is what I hear called <laughs> oftentimes. Um. So we there's a lot of just like slingshotting back and forth between just oh, the cuts are so movie. fast. So we mm-hmm. barely are with Scooby and Shaggy and Blue Falcon at all in the Falcon. Fire. In the blue fa-
1: falcon Flight. You know, it's not even that it's it's given as cursory uh, an introduction as its pilot, who who serves mostly for exposition, um, and doesn't really give get a lot of meaty stuff to do in
0: this film. We we are back in Dick Dastardly's airship, I believe he calls it. Um, mm-hmm. Fred, Daphne, and Velma are trying to escape from. It's a little jail. There's a little like cage jail in this. What I have said in the past episode, this beautifully designed, I think it just has so much character. The ship just like oozes character.
1: Yeah, this is this is like Hayao's moving castle right here. This That's is a, uh
0: honestly, that I know that was kind of a joke, but it's not
1: inaccurate. It's I I, I actually mean it kind of sincerely. It's it's really kind of a beautifully designed ship. Dick Dastardly, I'm I'm gonna say, is I think the most complete character and part of this film.
0: I, I think we'll be I'll be prepared to argue at the end. It, that's a perfect segue into this little scene because they're all trying to get out. Um, Daphne sits down in a chair and she's sort of like dangerously leaning backwards. And Velma's like, mm-hmm. "What are you doing?" And Daphne's like, "Well, if Scooby and Shaggy were here, they would sit in a chair and they would lean back, and like a shelf would open up, or they would hit their head in the secret passage, whatever." But the thing is, in contrast with Dick Dastardly, who is full to the brim. His, his cup overfloweth with character. You have Fred, Daphne, and Velma. And it's so hard for me to put into words like what they want, like who they are in this movie.
1: Well, I think there's, there's we're expected to take a lot of foreknowledge of these characters and apply it to this movie. Fred's love of the mystery machine is alluded to early on, but I think we're expected to feel a lot for these folks or not care about them at all. Um, Like, its they're not really establishing much of a reason why we should care about them. They're exposition vehicles. And Fred's um, a a valuable little bit of comic relief and a critique of um, kind of an extra bland basic dude that I, I really think is great, but doesn't really serve to counterbalance the fact that Daphne and Velma are really underserved in this film, along with all the other women in this film.
0: Like even even if part of Velma's character, and I know this isn't necessarily maybe like female friendly from a writing standpoint, but even if she had that added element of like, I don't want to be on this mystery. I don't like being in danger. That's something to work with. You yeah, know what it I definitely. Mean? That's is.
1: character. Yeah, but they they've already uh, they've made that exclusive to Shaggy and Scooby for the sake of this particular plot. I think the more pressing thing for me is what's Daphne going to do this film because that's something that every Scooby series has had to contend with or conspicuously not contend with. This, I don't think this movie does a very good job with it. In that, in this scene, if I can just jump through it. Please. Um, the the baby that Dick Dastardly, the baby robot that Dick <laughs> Dastardly ripped the head off of.
0: <laughs> Thank you for saying robot.
1: And and replaced with a like vacuum cleaner head. A little dust head, devil. A little like. dust devil head. Um, is going around coughing dust. Daphne's maternal instincts seem to kick in. That's That's how I think the movie plays it a little bit. I think a more generous reading is that she's just being nice. But um, she kind of fixes this baby's coughing problem. The baby releases them, and there's going to be later plot consequences for it. But that's really Daphne's main contribution to this film plot-wise. When everyone else is having their hero moments, hers derives from this moment
0: of kind of forced maternal interaction. So uh, on my second watch, this is something that I was able to, uh, mm-hmm. to sort of apply to it because, you know, watching it again, mm-hmm. fresh-ish eyes. In the beginning, (laughs) a little Genesis 1-1 for you. They're in a diner. This is near the beginning of the film. Simon Cowell says, listen, I want to sponsor you guys. Some of you have roles. For example, Fred, you're the muscle. Um, Velma, you are the brains of the operation. Daphne is the empath. Mm. Um, And then Scooby and Shaggy are useless, blah, 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 blah. This is what I I noticed. This is an example of Daphne is very empathetic. She's very kind and caring. So that is her utilizing her strength, as seen, you know, as spelled out by Simon Cowell, to help the gang accomplish, I don't know. You whatever. know what? I think that there's more validity to that
1: than I recognize. Though I think there's something a bit problematic about saying, like, emotional intelligence is what this character has to offer in totality. And and we're only really going to let that play out relative to a baby.
0: I think there's something that's, like, very potentially mm. dynamic about it. For example, let's say because this is such a wacky movie let's say there's a dragon yeah we could so be there right and and let's say that daphne is the one who's saying Oh no! Look, let's not let's not like hurt hurt the dragon. Mm-hmm. In this sorry, in this little scenario, they're dragon slayers. So <laughs> bear with me. It's so this isn't even a pivot to get here. Yeah. <laughs> and Daphne says, "Oh, maybe there's there's either a thorn in the dragon's paw or mm-hmm. uh, the dragon's little baby." And that's her sort of like utilizing that empathy. And then the gang is like, "Wow, Daphne, what value you bring to this group? We never would have figured this out without you." I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna zip ahead a little bit. Zip it. Um, let me just go scroll up a little bit. Um, so yeah, a little, little vacuum head. She clears out the little, the dust out of his little brain, uh, and then he frees them. It's extremely cut and dry. She shows kindness to Robot, lets him out of jail. They're out, they're sort of eavesdropping on Dick Dastardly. Dick Dastardly uses the two skulls of Cerberus to find the location of the third. The third is located underneath Messick Mountain, Messick Mountain being a reference to Don Messick, the original voice actor of Scooby-Doo.
1: Um... Some of the mysteries that we uncover when we're poking around Dick Dastardly's lair. One is that the skulls of Cerberus will all join together to create uh, a door to hell. <laughs> right.
0: Um, they say the underworld, but I started writing hell in my notes once I realized it was faster. They,
1: I think they, they did say, like, it'll unleash hell on earth, literally, or something like that. Um, and, and they also discover a, um, a shrine of sorts... Um, the only parallel that's coming to mind right now is Hey Arnold, Helga's sh- shrine to Arnold. Um, but a shrine to Muttley that Dastardly has in his little lair. And I can't remember if it's then or later that we have the kind of watery flashback to... No, I think it's then. Dastardly
0: really opens up. It, it is then. Um, so Daphne exercises. She really uh, flexes her her emotional muscles. And she's like, oh, who was he? And that sort of breaks down Dick Dastard, mm-hmm. these walls, the walls in his heart. And he lets tumble out the fact that he actually once was able to create his own little portal to hell. Um, and so he's painting this word picture. We, we see it, like you said, in a watery flashback. I love that. Um, and he says, oh, so we there's all this treasure. It's Alexander the Great's treasure. And Muttley, Muttley, he decided to go against, against my pleas. He decided to go in <laughs> and, and try to get the treasure for me.
1: And he, as in the real flashback, he, like, kicks Muttley in or he
0: forces him to do it. And then, and then Muttley is trapped in the underworld. Apparently, it's a one-way door kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's painted, actually, quite, in spite of the fact that it is his fault, he truly, I, I think it really comes to that he misses his friend.
1: Yeah, he's, he's more, he's the most tragic figure in the movie. And because of that, in some ways, the most human figure. Because he's experienced loss, he's made an actual mistake. No one else has made a mistake that the movie <clears throat> seems to recognize. Blue Falcon is a mistake, but the movie doesn't really have a, an awareness of that.
0: That little scene ends. Um, at one point, Fred grabs a postcard, it looks like, with some information on it and slips it in his uh, his jacket. Dick Dastardly, he kicks Velma and Daphne out of this little room where they found all of this uh, information. I, I will say, a little quick detail. Um, while they're in that room, Velma uses an old-timey, it looks almost like a like a Morse code kind of like... Like, like a communication oh, yeah. setup, and she hacks into DinoMutt's array and communicates to Didi, who, as we have said in our last episode, only exists to provide exposition. Yeah, to set up Blue Falcon for really, really weak jokes. And it's this sad sort of like, we the gang are providing exposition to you, Didi, who also provides exposition. It's It's a transference of information.
1: Yeah, so that the four male characters at the center of this movie, not counting Dick Dastardly, can all go have adventures and character growth.
0: So Dick kicks Daphne and Velma out, and then he says, "the, the, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm so like used to doing voices on my little like romance reading <laughs> thing. I do it. We should do more voices in this. Uh, the poor man's Hemsworth stays with me. You know, it's like Dick Dastardly's got this British fo." It's not fault because it's Jason Isaacs or whatever, but
1: Jason Isaacs doing the best work of the movie. I, I, it's up there, and and then uh, Fred's reaction. Hey, wait, Chris or Liam?
0: There's that. I, I I hear there's a third Hemsworth brother. I I so I've heard. I Legends love, tell. I love the fact that you always have like like back on the day it was Mary Kate and Ashley, and then there was a third sibling, who uh, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Olsen actually is now like the most the highest profile of the bunch, right? There you go. Um, also, you know didn't. <laughs> Do tons of drugs. Uh, as far as I know, didn't have like an eating disorder. How how far the mighty have fallen. Um, uh, but um, my favorite sibling, my favorite celebrity sibling, mm-hmm. is the third property brother. <laughs> there is one. <laughs> so they're they're the two property brothers. We know them, right? They're very tall. They're very handsome. One of them is dating Zoe Deschanel, you know. Um, uh, but there's a third property brother, and he exists kind of just to hang he he's picking up the scraps that his brother leaves brothers leave behind sorry he dresses like he would like he is lives in the early aughts he has an instagram page with his wife and all they do in my knowledge is they eat at restaurants in the hopes that the restaurants will like partner with them do you know what i mean like he's he's a foe he's he's a he's a would-be influencer oh my
1: goodness I, I I was gonna make fun of this hairstyle, but he's probably changed it so many times.
0: I'm looking at something old. It looks it looks very emo. It's got like yes, <laughs> that's what I, my little I said about the early aughts. It's uh yeah. Anyway, you know what? If you want to see more about that, you don't want to Google it for yourself. Just go to ScoobyDudes.com Find the page for this episode. I'll have slipped in a little bit of info there about property brother numero uh, Trace
1: I knew I could count on you for that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take the opportunity to move ourselves along plot-wise from Dick Dastardly um, having, uh, from this revelation about Dick Dastardly, back to Dino Mutt and Blue Falcon and Scooby and Shaggy, who are stopping now at Mystery Island, I believe. Is that right? They they have, uh,
0: so Messick Mountain looks like the Alps, very snowy, but there is a conspicuous green glowing crevice in there, and they fly the Falcon Flyer, I'm just going to call it that, into this mm-hmm. crevice as Bombs Over Baghdad by Outkast plays. Which is that what it was? It's kind of a banger of a song. They have some good tunes in this movie. But listening to it again, when the chorus is playing, you hear the, Bombs Over Baghdad, and I'm just like, why would you put this in a children's movie? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting choice right there. Um, Shaggy, unfortunately,
1: didn't manage to get to his seat in time and was bouncing all around the inside of that uh, of the Falcon Flyer the whole time. Fun fact, in the trailer, um, you might remember Scooby and Shaggy having deformed faces from all those acrobatics, but in the chair. So that is a
0: change there from uh, trailer to production. There, there is um, there, there's one gag I want to spotlight, and then we'll move ahead. Um, so whatever, there's geothermal vents, they're creating a mesozoic ecosystem, which basically just means they're dinosaurs. Um, there's a gag where pterodactyls keep hitting the windshield. But they go so so many more pterodactyls than you expect to hit the windshield,
1: and the the screams are so loud. Like I, <laughs> I wanted to do a scream in the podcast, but I was like, I don't even want to edit that for volume. I don't want to <laughs> do that to myself. Uh, it's it's not the landiest joke, um, but they do land the Falcon, unload, and we have another character conflict that it's pretty painful for me a little bit. The uh, Scooby and Shaggy being like so. So in conflict, just so in conflict. Uh, I can
0: see you're, you're sort of butting your knuckles together as if they were the heads of a, of a great Dane and a teen, question mark, slash young adult. Yeah,
1: yeah like they're, they're really butting heads here. Shaggy feels Scooby growing apart from him, and Scooby kind of feels like, I've got my chance, I'm a hero, I need to go with Blue Falcon and
0: everybody else. Shaggy's like, why aren't you staying on the ship with me? We're cowards. I really love this moment because it has its foundations in Scooby and Shaggy canon. Mm-hmm. When the gang splits up, Scooby and Shaggy are like, we're just going to stay in the mystery machine. The The difference between, and, and I wish they'd play this up, is what gets both of them out is f- typically Velma, sometimes Fred, sometimes Daphne, one of the three, saying, if you stay here, the monster might get you, you know, like, you'll be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're just like, okay, well, yeah, we can't stay here. In this case, I would say that Shaggy feels quite safe aboard the Falcon Flyer, and he's just like, look, nothing here but us chickens, that's all throwback, you know. Great we'll, throwback. we we'll say here, you guys are heroes. You go ahead.
1: I, I came it from a different angle. I, th- I feel like his insecurity is ruling his behavior right now where he's like, I just want to reject, I want to see make Scooby reject all these people who are taking him away from me and, and have him to myself. This is, I think, we're supposed to see a lot of the Shaggy we know in this Shaggy or we need the Shaggy we know to inform this Shaggy's decisions to, to bring that background to bear on it, but it's not really playing it out the way I think Shaggy, we would see it play out. I don't know. It, it feels a little twisted. That's a, maybe an extreme word to use here. But um, I, I'm i going to move us even a little further along because I think next we're marching through Mystery Island and we meet
0: Captain Caveman, Tracy Morgan's character. So so fun little fact. Um, after Scooby and Shaggy, sorry, after Fred, Velma, and Daphne get onto the, whatever, after they escape... Um, At that point in time, when I was first watching this film with my brother, I fell asleep. And I did not wake up until closer to the climax of this film. So I actually watched all of this with the freshest of eyes (laughs) for this portion of the podcast. Um, Captain Caveman, um, very on-model, I will say. Very, yeah. In kind of a gross way, because... um, so, so Captain Caveman kind of looks like cousin It from the Addams Family, except he has a protr- protruding nose, eyes, lips, limbs, whereas cousin It is just all hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they've done is they've taken the the shaggy hair that is Captain that hides Captain Caveman's nakedness, and they've rendered it like uh, like dreadlocks, which I guess makes sense, but also makes him look like a mop. It, it does. It looks a little too
1: too consolidated a little bit, the dreadlocks. And the the other characters who spend only a little bit of time on screen, but are of the same culture as Captain Caveman, look even, even
0: rougher. Captain Caveman is voiced by Tracy Morgan, who was Tracy Jordan on 30 Rock. That's my main point of reference for him.
1: That's also my main point of reference for Tracy Morgan, and also that he probably no longer shops at Walmart. Um... Given that that was the semi truck that hit him from behind. Edit this out. Should I be getting that? Oh no. Tra- when you know Tracy Morgan had that like horrible full body injury. What? What? Okay. He uh, Tracy Morgan's uh, was in a car that was hit from behind by a Walmart semi truck. Are you years ago? Serious? Yeah, like uh, like right after Thirty Rock. I feel like, um, and it was a debilitating injury. Like he couldn't even talk the same. So that's why he was like not. In anything, a hundred percent, yeah.
0: Wow, that's wild.
1: Um, May or may not keep that in a little bit of trivia. Not the happiest thing. But all that to say, like seeing Tracy Morgan do work and like um, I can't remember the name of his new show and and this and just be like bringing classic Tracy Morgan good vibes.
0: It's uh, it's really great. Like I I really appreciate Captain Caveman. I think that Tracy Morgan does a bang up job. I think he does a phenomenal uh, his performance like as Captain Caveman is not long he's not in this movie for much but it's
1: good work no absolutely he um he does way way more than blue falcon does with easily 20 times his screen time and
0: dialogue so uh blue falcon and scooby they're i i don't know so correct me if i'm wrong maybe in one episode but is the scooby's sense of smell play a large role in most mysteries I think they, they touch on Scooby's sense of smell, but
1: I think often as a gag, and I'm not an authority on this, I'm not speaking from certainty, but more like, Scooby, smell like, where's this um, this checkbook we found lead, and he smells his way over to like a buffet table. Right,
0: it's always it's always, a bu- it's always a, like a smorgasbord.
1: But here, I think I know what you're getting at. They're looking for clues, Dino Mutt scans the area, and he's like, not clocking anything, and Scooby just starts sniffing the air, he's like, I smell something, And he start, and he leads them over to where they meet Captain Caveman. It feels very uh, apropos of nothing. There's, there's a little.
0: Um, it's, it's a character moment to me because it's Blue Falcon and Scooby. Blue Falcon is trying to live up to his father, who's a hero, and he's like, well, it's, it's almost like Blue Falcon, Brian. Sorry, feels mm-hmm. like he can offload his superheroism onto Scooby.
1: Yeah, because that's that's Brian's arc really is that he feels uh, inadequate for the role that's been foisted upon him because I guess superhero. This is like a. Uh, uh, I can't remember the term. but something you inherit. Um, a mantle. A mantle, yeah. it's It It leads us to a place where they find the, the final skull of Cerberus. It's being guarded by Captain Caveman, who's the protector of it. They have to fight him and beat him to get it. This is where Blue Falcon dropped the line that made me stop watching the first half. <laughs> um, <laughs> he said, I can totally pound the crap out of this little guy. And I said, all right, Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> I'm going to take a quick little break. I'm going to take a quick little break, and then... Uh... <laughs> Finish the rest of this movie next week. Can I
0: say, this is, uh, there's one brief moment I, I want to say, because, uh, it, so the the blue, the Falcon Flyer is a large craft with a, it looks kind of like a, like an Apple Genius bar or whatever on the inside. Oh, from the inside, 100%. What I don't understand is, it appears to be crewed almost entirely by holograms. Mostly, yeah, but it also felt
1: populated at one point, like early they're on. They're all holograms. Were
0: they? Yes, wow. they're
1: not real people. But there's someone he referenced to, Blue Falcon himself. Like, said tells out like to, Greg to or Tim. Something. Or, Greg or, yes. in engineering and sound
0: engineer. Yeah. So there's at least one other person besides Dee, Dee uh, Blue F- Brian, and Dynamite. But it, all to say, um, Shaggy takes uh, the, a collar that's bound for incineration. And I was like, oh, what an interesting moment. But it's being pushed by a hologram. So it's... <laughs> it's just a weird eerie detail
1: it the the world building here is is inconsistent but they do it's not that they don't do any of it it's that they almost do too much and the wrong ways i don't know what i'm saying here um if i may can i can i blow us through some action well
0: i i here's the thing no please go right ahead where you stopped is actually one of my favorite jokes and look there I, i would say that as a whole this movie is not very funny as a result I need to highlight the jokes that I think were successful. Please do, because there were some good ones. So, as you were saying, Brian does say, I'm going to pound the crap out of this little man or something. And Captain Caveman is like, who are you calling little? Or, you know, whatever. And yeah. Scooby, a peacemaker. Blessed be the peacemakers. That's my second Bible reference. I'm going to cap it at that. It is a Sunday, so, you know, um, as the spirit leads. he uh, Scooby is putting himself in the way, and he's kind of like, no, he said Big. And he's like, no, I called him a pip squeak. He's like, who you called him? He said, big squeak. That's <laughs> perfect. That's a perfect Scooby Doo line. That is. Oh, that's so good. It's, it's perfect for his character. It's a good play on words. There And then there's a, I don't understand this at all. I'll, and I'll let you steamroll head after this. Oh, please Kevin go. Ahead. Caveman wallops Brian with his club. But his club, which is sort of like a stereotypical caveman club, opens up and a smaller, angrier club pops out from inside of it.
1: And and here, I, I do want to break this down because this is but five seconds <laughs> that, that can mystify for hours. I think it's a dinosaur that pops out and has like, on the two sides of the dinosaur's head, it has like really hard skull-like um, protrusions <laughs> rounded with sharper skull bits. Um, and he uses, Captain Caveman uses like a hammer. And I think that's true to the original Captain Caveman. It rung a bell. That
0: there was a smaller angry club inside of his club. Yeah. You know what? When I saw it, that is what i wanted it was so specific that to me it could not have been from the minds of the animators of this movie. that's what i i want to say but then those the baby robots the killer
1: baby robots were definitely not original so i can't say that for sure i like tracy morgan's delivery of like i know i'm small it's a pituitary thing it's like tracy you're golden i'm sorry you
0: know what you you have to do you uh take one of those pterodactyl screams and uh (laughs) I'll see what
1: I can do about that. If I can't, maybe I'll do Look, my I'll, own. I'll even clip it for you. <laughs> okay, if you can do that. From there, the preceding action is that I I think as they're fighting, um, Scooby's uh, suit gets broken. He loses his suit after getting to try it out for a second because Blue Falcon gets his butt kicked by Captain Caveman. Blue Falcon's just not the real Falcon yet. We cut over to um, Shaggy in the ship who gets approached by Fred with the van. Hey, Fred, what are you doing here with the van? um fred's like oh yeah we Fred, daphne and velma were caught by dick dastardly who has such a cool ship oh my gosh that guy man <laughs> and that i actually thought that was really funny that really landed for me <laughs> um it is of course dick dastardly we all know we already know it Sh- shaggy winds up leading dick dastardly over to cerberus's skull dick um takes the skull kidnaps scooby Kicks Fred, Daphne, and Velma off of his ship and makes away. That's the broad strokes of what happens before, what is the longest scene of the movie, and pretty much the final scene of the movie that we're gonna talk about in a
0: minute. So, w- one thing about Dick Dastardly capturing Scooby is he doesn't, like I would say many a traditional Scooby-Doo villain does, he doesn't simply grasp him in his arms. You can see me on my webcam doing yes.
1: this. Yes. You, what you're doing is akin to a hug, and I'm really glad that you're talking about the biggest problem I have with this movie.
0: Oh, so wh- what Dick Dastardly does is he has what uh, a dog catcher he, would have, which is a long pole with a little loop at the end of it. A catch pole, yeah. And that's what he uses to... I, so to capture Scooby, there's a what better word for it? Typically, a, a loop of wire, which it appears to
1: be here, and it's it's a loop that by um, pulling and uh, by extending and shortening the pole, you can make the loop come out and tighten. And it looks like an extremely cruel and inhumane way to manage a dog. Which, to be fair, if it's a wild dog, I've I've seen it used. I used to work in a kennel. That is a very valuable tool. To see it used on Scooby, who is naked. Scooby has his suit has been knocked off and he does not have a collar. Evan, I think we've talked about this in the past. A dog looks yeah. naked and vulnerable like that. R especially backslash T I H
0: I R backslash blurst images. That's how I feel about <laughs> that's how I feel about Scooby without a collar.
1: It's a, a NSFW for sure. Um, and it's for me that was like, oh, this is so tonally off. Like, you don't want to show Blue Falcon get hit in the head with this cartoon dinosaur. But you'll show a real life, um, <laughs> like, animal control device being used on Scooby really, really cruel. Like, if you've seen somebody walking their dog and just, like, jerking the leash, that's what Dick Dastardly is doing with Scooby. He's, like, whipping Scooby around by this pole.
0: I'm sorry to make such no, no, a big no, thing I, of I, it. I, but this I is, just imagining. it's like, oh, oh, so, wait, you'll tell me that you won't have a cartoon anvil hit this hit this character on the head, but you will have Dick Dastardly euthanize. <laughs> <laughs> and that's... Okay, we're
1: going to get to the scene later where Dick Dastardly is loading, flicking the hypothermic <laughs> needle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But no, um, I, on top of the last little detail, I'm so sorry to be going on this so long. No but worries. When Dick Dastardly is going up in like that little aperture closing hole of his spaceship scooby's like trying to get purchase did you on think it
0: was going to close on scooby on one of his like fingers or something <laughs> it's like his toe paw uh, it, it's it's a scary aperture that has it it looks like it closes quite tightly. It's made of metal and kind of sharp a little and bit.
1: And Dick Dasserly's like swung Scooby onto one of those precarious little arms of the aperture that are closing towards the center, and Scooby's like his arm,
0: his limbs are going in between. It, it's one of those issues where whenever you do sort of this 3D CGI thing, you you have to balance the cartooniness of the design and the real world elements or like the the textures. A lot of it is textural. Um, and, and so when you have these hard metal edges and, and everything, it, it makes it feel dangerous and it makes it feel scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the one final joke I, that I like, because honestly, from here, it it's is down, literally down, all downhill. Action. Falling action. There's actually, sorry, there are two, okay, yeah. two good jokes. Um, mm-hmm. This is one of the good jokes. Um, blah, blah, blah. Dick, Dick is saying like, oh, you'll never catch me. I'm going off to Athens, but you won't be, won't be able to get mm-hmm. me because you won't have a ship. And Blue Fal- and Brian's like, we do have a ship. And Dick is like, do you? And then he laughs. And then Mark Wahlberg says, there's something about the way he said, do you and laugh that makes me think he did something to our ship. Uh, that to me is very good. Writing. That that was good. They gave that part of what frustrated me is I felt like they gave Blue Falcon
1: some of the funner lines, more fun lines.
0: They gave him lines that I think they could have given Fred. Yeah,
1: 100%. They really could have. And perhaps in the coming moment was my favorite joke, perhaps of the movie, where I think we have the internal conflict climax of the movie. Everyone's turning on each other. Scooby's been kidnapped. Whose fault is it? Fred. Right.
0: This is the next scene, so perfect.
1: Fred says, like, oh, Blue Falcon, it's your fault. Blue Falcon says, no, it's your fault. I love Fred Fred <laughs> pointing at Blue Falcon. Like, Blue Falcon's, don't you point your finger at me? And him, and he's doing the two-finger point back. <laughs> and, Fred's like, and
0: then Fred uh, points back with three fingers. Yeah.
1: Oh, You know if, if you do that, I'm going to do the four-finger point back at you. Well, now you're just waving. And, like, the... The timing of the ex- escalation and the the fragile masculinity of the <laughs> the different finger points, which as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, that is a thing. I've just never recognized it or seen it and explored. And that right
0: there is, that is great Fred Jones material.
1: Ah, uh, they did it. And and they actually used Falcon to good effect there by having him um, be a foil or really a
0: mirror to Fred. Th- that's great. I, I was going to work through that. You basically did that yourself. They have a fight. Shaggy is the one. This time Shaggy is the peacemaker. He's like, listen... Stop fighting. Stop bickering with one another. It, it's it's funny because you sort of have the two male figures and, and Fred and, and Brian sort of butting heads. And then, of course, it happens to be Daphne and Dee Dee who are the ones who have to fight because, you know, gender.
1: Yeah, for no reason. Even though they have been up to present, the perhaps only two reasonable people
0: in the movie aside from Velma. But Shaggy says, listen, stop fighting. We have to go save my best buddy. Everyone realizes, yeah, we have to whatever. Um... While they're sort of doing the diagnostics on the ship, they're just like, oh, the engine is broken, but the thrusters are fine. So obviously, they just affix the thrusters to the mystery machine. It's not as good a reveal, but who cares? They're in Athens now. Um, the the skulls are dropped by Dick Dastardly onto... Here's the thing about Athens. Athens appears to be solely... And I guess this is quite accurate. They're sort of on, like, the Parthenon something? I don't know. They're mm-hmm. on, like, the ruins. Um, it appears to be almost completely populated by multicultural tourists i don't actually have a problem with that whatever it's a tourist spot um the skulls turn these ruins new they're they're nice white shining marble Mm -hmm. everything looks
1: not just new and i'm sorry to nitpick this but uh if you see like the the new ruins floating up over the old ones they don't line up like these really? are these are completely different buildings of different sizes <laughs> they're not like the columns becoming fresh and new they're like now it has seven columns instead of five <laughs> now the the ceiling is like how
0: closely were like, you watching this? i was not
1: watching that closely <laughs> is the thing i don't i i hate to nitpick this but i don't feel like it's a nitpick uh, it's because <laughs> i i expected exactly what you described and i i'm done that's all there is to that um but it's, it's all made new and big, and the gates of hell stand tall before Dick Dastardly, who can now finally reunite with uh,
0: Muttley. Literally, the rest of this—and this is exhausting for me to think about— the rest of this movie is just one big action scene.
1: It's it's all one big set piece where Cerberus, the three-headed dog, emerges from the gates of hell, and they all have to defeat Cerberus. Um, that's They all have to defeat Cerberus. Cer- Cerberus
0: is a big green dog. I like that he has a, like a reptilian tail, because some— Myths say that Cerberus had like a snake for a tail or like a reptilian tail. Oh, good catch! I like, I like that. I used to be a big Greek myth buff. One thing about Cerberus is, it's disappointing to me that um, in Godzilla King of Monsters, which came out a couple of years ago, I loved it. Uh by a lot of metrics, not a great movie, but they a lot of fantastic references to people who are fans of the Toho Godzilla films or whatever. But w- one thing they did was um, King Ghidorah, who is a big three-headed dragon snake monster has three heads that all kind of they actually gave all each head a personality so one head is kind of submissive one head is like a bully one head is kind of like the instigator and it's fascinating to see that obviously on like this it's a big dumb monster movie why couldn't they have done that with Cerberus
1: yeah Cerberus had really I don't want to say no personality just not a
0: consistent personality one one head has his tongue loll out, but all the heads just want to eat Scooby. <laughs>
1: they just want to cause chaos. They're just, uh, just a personification of
0: whatever we need here at the end to have a big set piece. One thing I do want to say about Cerberus is he is a big green dog with a snake tail, but he also has, like greco-roman armor on oh yeah he does which is a weird that's weird to me
1: but he also looks like all the three heads and the body look like a, a golden retriever puppy or like a uh, a yellow lab <laughs> so not puppy. even like a
0: full-grown dog no I guess you're right he has the proportions of a pup
1: yeah like he's he needs to look too cute he can't look too menacing they didn't get like three fighting pit bulls to, <laughs> to model for this um because it needs to be kind of fun and cute um as you said, this whole scene is just one long action set piece. Um may i may I kind of take us through it, and can you stop me as we go for any takeaways? I,
0: I have my notes are a little in depth, so yeah, okay,
1: yeah. gotcha. Um, I have Fred Daphne and Velma fly in on the converted van. Um, they're about to be attacked um by Dick Dastardly. But Daphne has a fan, um, you might say, in the uh, in the <laughs> cockpit. I didn't intend that pun, but it kind of was one.
0: Uh, yeah, little little vacuum headman. Uh, they're gonna. They have homing missiles basically on the mystery machine as it's flying. He pushes one of the robots out of the way, uh, and it doesn't blow up the mystery machine. It blows up a thruster. They land not in a fiery explosion, but they crash.
1: Yep. Then the uh, the gang reunites. Um, Fred has a moment of silence in front of his van. D- uh, Dick Dastardly and Muttley reunite. Or no, he has a he has a whole. This scene. is actual.
0: It is really nice. So so Dick has taken Scoob and, and you forced his paw onto the door, which opens up the gates mm-hmm. of hell, the underworld, whatever. Dick goes in, and at first, he, it looks like, oh, treasure, I'm here for treasure, gold. But then he sees Muttley, and he instantly sobers, because Muttley looks like when Peter Griffin trips over a pebble on Family Guy. <laughs>
1: He looks it's the most somber silhouette you can imagine is what I'm hearing. It's it's a serious matter. And
0: and he and, and you're watching this and you're just like, well, how long ago could it have been? You know, maybe maybe he put Mutley through the portal like last month or something, and and dogs can live a month without food. But <laughs> Dick Dastardly actually says, Oh no, I'm too late. I've been searching for years, my friend. <laughs> Which I kind of felt like, like it,
1: it felt like it was a year, long, years long search from, from Dick Dasterly's vibe. And look,
0: but I'm it, sorry, you gotta explain that. What, why it felt like years long? Well, how could this doc have lived in a land of gold? Like it's just gold. You know what? This is a, a huge
1: question for me. All right, let's let's get into it a tiny bit right now, at least. Did, um, how did what did Mutley do when he was in there for? Because he was in there for years. He and Cerberus must be tight. Is my my first thought because ah. they mm. were roommates for a long time they were roommates they must have been That's a vine reference to an old vine oh i'm sorry <laughs> I, I died i'm out of the loop i'm an old man oh you're 30 yeah either that or like in hell you don't need
0: food maybe right which which i think i understand that saying that in a children's movie would have been a little like uh a little like his dark materials e.
1: Yeah, you don't really want to explore it more than you have to. Honestly, going to hell at all was maybe a bad move <laughs> in my opinion. But I like I I don't want to start pulling at the threads of this movie
0: unless there be no movie left. It, it's a good it's a good emotional beat. I felt it really is. I felt touched when I saw that Dick Dastardly and Mutley were embracing one another.
1: Yeah, after the gag. Oh no, Mutley's fine, and they they hug. It it really does land. Dick
0: Dastardly is my favorite character of this movie. I think at the very end. Um. So Fred has a little moment. Everyone is in an amphora, which is uh, an, an old Greek vase. Oh, thank you. Um, I just had to throw amphora <laughs> out there because so. I used to read a lot of asterisks and obelisks. <laughs> oh, nice. And uh, they're like, oh, where's Fred? This uh, little dino mutt turns on the light. Fred's not in there. Fred is still standing over the wreckage of the mystery machine. What he does is he he affixes the wheel cover of uh, the mystery machine to his arm as if he's Captain America. He whips out an ascot and puts it around his neck. And... <sighs> I like I like the idea behind the moment. I like the idea that like Fred loves this van so much that he's gonna turn into a hero. I just think that there's not not enough leading up to it. Here I, I t- I'm totally with you. I here's the thing that pains
1: me. That scene was for me. Like it was for me and people who feel like me towards Fred and towards the van. And I, I hate to say it, but that pandering wasn't successful. Like it's uh they didn't spend the time they needed to spend to make Fred or this van anybody worth
0: anything worth caring about because all it does is it references that bonus scene in the scooby-doo where are you at the very very beginning just listen to the episode before this exactly the montage and and like look you could have had um here's even one moment this is me punching up the film as we're talking about it oh we're gonna punch it up there let's say they're affixing the thrusters to the mystery machine the perfect moment for fred to be uh, like ecstatic and excited like oh my baby's getting an upgrade Mm
1: mm-hmm uh, they, they could have done a, a lot of things different here. Um, Fred tries to attack Solo with his shield from the mystery machine, just gets flicked back. It's completely ineffectual. Like, they didn't really do anything with that. The weird thing to me next is that they all are unsure of what to do. Scooby and Shaggy come up with the plan. They're like, you guys go over here and distract Cerberus. We're gonna come over here and come up with a... a try and figure out how to get in the door. Um, and two lines that are then dropped, like, wow, nice Scooby and Shaggy. Um, one of them says... We've been through a lot. And I think Scooby says,
0: we've grown. Yes. And it's just like, first of all, have you? And second of all, have you?
1: Yeah, uh, 100%. I'd like to, when we're done, reflect on that for a moment. Um, but maybe we can move through the action for the moment. Um,
0: th- there's, so, so, Scooby, Shaggy, so Fred and Velma are going to go figure out how to close the door. Scooby, Shaggy, and Daphne are the ones who are distracting Cerberus. Here is the last good joke in this movie. And it is when, oh, maybe he wants a Scooby snack, and, well, we don't have any Scooby snacks. And Daphne says, don't worry, I've always got a spare. And she pulls a Scooby snack out of her boot. This was in the trailer, is, is the thing. They, they mm-hmm. literally, they take the best jokes in this entire movie, and uh, Scooby eats it, and Daphne's like, don't worry, I've always keep a spare spare. Scooby eats that. I'm so weak.
1: <laughs> it was good. I'm so weak. Looking through the the gap in his fingers as he covers his
0: face. At one point, this is so disappointing to me. It looks like a music. It is a musical chase scene because they have the same music as a chase scene would have in Scooby-Doo, where Cerberus is chasing Scooby and Shaggy mm-hmm. back and forth on on a on a static. It's a static camera shot, oh. right? The problem is, it doesn't look like a corridor scene because they're they're on the same plane. No, it's you know just I mean? off
1: it's just off the sides of the screen each time. And it's while Dino Mutt's giving a pep talk to Blue Falcon, ultimately says, "You don't have to be your dad. You should be you. And also, your suit has wings. Go fly and fight." And then that's his thing. That was
0: weirdly that sounded like Ken Jong as Dino Mutt. Did you intend to do that? Yeah, I
1: did not at all. No, I guess I I'm just actually really surprised it. by that. Wow, thank you. Um, but yeah, that I, I love the moment when Scooby and Shaggy are just running back and forth. Um, it's it's a classic gag that they smartly bring into the present moment. There's also a brief moment when all the uh, robot babies save Daphne, um, uh, again, or maybe that's the first moment uh, they they're saving her.
0: Whatever, little, ro- little robots. They basically all turn on Dick and Muttley because Daphne was showed kindness.
1: And that's because she did. She's the empathetic one. Maybe there's more to that than I than I thought.
0: I, I would say that actually she probably has a lot. She has, of the three other gang members, she does the most. She has the the largest impact on the plot. I think you're right on that.
1: I I actually like the way that they get Cerberus in the end. I think it's a pity it's not Fred's trap, but I get it. It's not his movie right now. With Shaggy convincing all of the robot babies to transform (laughs) into bowling balls, which, relative to Cerberus, are like marbles. Yes. Oh, It is
0: actually quite clever.
1: So he slips backwards on them into the door of hell, and we see him collapse Onto the um, kind of paltry piles of gold, like um, Scrooge McDuck in a recession. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pretty good, not bad. That was on the fly you, you too. You wrote that down, I, I can see it's on your palm. No, it's exactly <laughs> written, it. it's on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> you really that's... mementoed this joke. <laughs> I was so
1: afraid I would forget it.
0: I still haven't seen Memento. <gasps> oh my gosh. Hey,
1: that's it, you referenced it well, nicely done. Um, he, he, you see me, I'm just like tattooing Watch
0: Memento on my skin <laughs> um, Whatever, it's a bunch of dumb action I don't care, we kind of hit all the big moments That really uh, is
1: it, um, Cerberus is defeated um, Muttley and, and Dick Dastardly Will be caught in a
0: moment It's it's done as an afterthought Fred, Fred um, and Velma take out that little clue post uh, it, Velma, because this is a Scooby-Doo movie, says, oh, the clue. As if, I mean, it's important information. It doesn't, it's not a clue. It's not a mystery, really. Yeah, There's, um, there's basic, been no mystery. Sorry. The idea is that there's this poem, and the poem basically says, blah, 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 one person to open, two people to close. They need to close it. It has to be two people. One of them has to be Shaggy, because he is the, the aunt, descendant of Peridus, who is Alexander the Great's dog. And so now here's this very, very bleak moment where Scooby and Shaggy need to decide which one of them will be stuck in hell.
1: The level of darkness it reached was so unearned. I was shocked at how it's, it it really plays this out like, we're gonna have to be without each other for our whole lives. Like which one of us is sacrificing ourselves to eternal damnation for the other? And here's the thing,
0: they, they 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 lead into that with this amazing bit of slapstick humor where oh. they're each trying to put their paw, because because it flips. There's like a little hatch panel in the door, and it flips. There's a, a human handprint it, it on one side. It rotates like a spinning coin. Thank you. Thank you. A, a paw print Sorry. on the other side. No, that's perfect. That was, that was a good way of visualizing it. And they keep trying to flip it around to put their hand slash paw on it, and it's like flip, 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 flip. And then Shaggy puts his face in the way, and Scooby's like slapping it back and forth.
1: And it's like so many slaps, really quick, and the way that Shaggy like stops him, but is still immediately sober, and is like, "No, this is a serious moment." <laughs> it, I was like, "This is, I that's amazing. It's so so funny." I'm sorry to play it up so much, but it 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 was the funniest. Maybe yeah, the funniest so my moment apologies. The movie. That's
0: the third good, last good joke. Last good. It really is the last good
1: joke of the movie, though. But um, they
0: they genuinely they genuinely have to debate which of which of us deserves to be trapped in the underworld. mm Hmm. Ultimately, Shaggy wins out. He puts his hand on before
1: Scooby can stop him, and we see him disappear and then appear like the man in the mirror on the other side of it. Um,
0: Yeah, I'm asking him to change his ways. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And (laughs) all he'll tell Scooby is that Scooby isn't the fairest of them all. Um and that's that's it. And then the the door disappears. We spend minimum 30 seconds thinking Shaggy's dead and gone. Here's the
0: thing. Everyone is extremely sad for a very very good reason because their friend has been like, I I think you you said locked away in eternal damnation. Yeah. Sure. No one no one to be no one to have no company except for a large green dog that wants to eat
1: you, presumably. Yeah, like he got along with Muttley. no guarantee for Shaggy.
0: Because
1: uh Cerberus
0: did, do, I, I mentioned this, does try
1: to eat Scooby-Doo at one point. He does, that's right, and it's Blue Falcon who saves him. Ultimately, it's so contrived and so out of nowhere that the gang's like, wait, hang on, Alexander the Great created this with his dog, and he wouldn't want to be separated from his dog forever, so he must have found a way out. Let's look to the left and hope we see a, a statue of Alexander the Great and his dog appear.
0: Here's the thing, a, yeah, a statue out of nowhere, apropos of nothing. It's
1: like... <laughs> It's like it got undusted. Thanos reverse snapped his fingers.
0: And... <laughs> wow, killing it! <laughs> Thank you. I um, was not sure. Uh, they go over and the uh, Velma and uh, Dynomite both read the inscription because it's an ancient Greek. Um, and then they're like, Scoob, maybe you should give it a try. Not like which isn't a logical thing to say because Scooby can't read Greek. And also they weren't trying to do anything; they were just reading the inscription. Mm-hmm. Raggy, you promised you'd never leave come home
1: ah, ah, <laughs> was what i said when it happened like i i it but um the statue he oh, like yeah, yeah. Torched, mm-hmm. like he's trying to break into a bank vault or out of one we see an outline of a door
0: um like he's a jedi trying to use his lightsaber to escape the poison gas that has been re- released by the uh, the trade the, federation. The federation
1: thank <laughs> you for that that was exactly what i needed we see that door outline um, burn in, and then open up. And here's—I did like the moment where we see Shaggy's classic outline. Like we all know the classic Shaggy silhouette. He's a, he's
0: a little slouch. He's—you know—the the bell bottoms sort of make it, his legs flare out at the bottom. Yeah, his feet
1: splayed opposite directions. Here, here's one thing where I think the movie could have been improved many times over. Have him say the word Scoob. Now's the time. Like say the title. Say it. Say it. Earn the title. Have him shout Scoob. It was was weird when he said that after he was on the (laughs) other side of the door. (laughs) But Shaggy's back. That's it. We catch catch Dick dastardly. Um, We maybe have a little bit of an unmasking scene.
0: Yeah. So one thing I want to say, and and let's try to cover this really quickly um, before we sort of hit the very, very end, um, is as I was watching this, I was like, where are moments where you could inject... uh, a classic Scooby trope. And you and I have talked ad well sorry, that door's creaking. Hold We've on. talked ad nauseum about what's a classic Scooby-Trope for uh corridor scene is one. Here's here's a little something I think. Okay, I gotta close this door. <laughs> no it's worries, don't sweat it. When Fred, Velma, and Daphne are in the room of the airship that I can only dub Dick Dastardly's office. Um here is something that would have been great. Is there they're in there. They're looking, they're like, oh, look at this weird trying to Muttley, right? Mm. What is this? This is so weird. All of a sudden, Muttley's eyes move because Dick Dastardly Ooh. is watching them from the other side.
1: You're so right. That could have been a moment. They could have even uh, hidden hidden corridor their way into
0: that room with almost no added time. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Look at this. Look at this bookshelf, and it's covered in villain books. That's a Big. funny gag. It's funny to have, like, maybe one of them is just like, uh, "How to be a villain for dummies" or something. Or you can put mm-hmm. all of these like wacky racer, you know, kind of like how to like 100 ways to puncture uh, a race car tire. You know what <laughs> yes. I mean? Uh, I'd be
1: uh, so many so many opportunities for punch up there just to touch on the unmasking we did catch dick dastardly they do try to unmask him and who should we find underneath
0: but um the cowl himself it's it's simon Simon cowl uh he listening to him talk about listening to simon cowl deliver his lines I don't know how much money they paid him but it was too much money
1: I, I, I just hope that he paid them to appear. That he's a real Scooby-Doo he's fan, so, and he just footed he, a bill. His
0: line, he's so bored. He says all of his lines like he's bored. Like, he doesn't want to be there. He's, I think he's just a bad choice for a celebrity. Because, yeah, that's
1: his character, as being, like, bored and better than. But that's kind of the movie itself, is kind of an eye-rolling, sarcastic, uh, kind of low-hanging fruit type of uh, type of humor that it's indulging in. Man, that was mean. <laughs> I, <laughs> Simon? Is that you? Simon. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. You sucked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they unmask him. It's a double. Uh, Dick Dastardly is like, oh. no one ever goes for the double unmasking. It was Dick <sighs>
1: Dastardly under Simon Cowell. And that's it. That's the end of Dick Dastardly. I would have
0: gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you mismatched meddling miscreants. Oh, that's and I do like
1: earlier when I think he calls them
0: you um meddles. Oh, I I wrote it down. What was uh, it? He calls them. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Uh, I, oh, sorry, I have to scroll up quite a bit. He calls them muling millennials.
1: Muling millennials. I thought was a really great update.
0: It's it's nice. It it's honestly I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this out there. I don't need them to say meddling kids. No, me neither. I don't even really need them to say muling millennials
1: or to do another mm or another uh, m based play on words. I'm looking for other stuff in this movie that I think we'll we'll get the chance to talk to in a second. Just to hit the wrap up. We're back at Venice Beach in California. The gang is opening up a brick-and-mortar shop for Mystery Incorporated. In this economy? And that, that's exactly what <laughs> I thought. I thought, you want to pay for rent for your services? You get the benefit of a food truck. This is You have no overhead. That's so yeah, you, good you for you. You
0: literally don't stay in one place. That's no, the point of your you, business.
1: They get a call that's like, we need you to come to... I, I don't even remember where it is. It's like, like
0: San Pedro in Mexico, I, I assume. Thank I'm you. I think to...
1: you're exactly right on that. And it's like wow, glad we had the brick-and-mortar shop to receive that Zoom call on. (laughs) Uh, We see Fred get a new, shiny new van from uh, Blue Falcon. How did you feel about that? It looks
0: like... uh, I I wanted to liken it to the Tesla pickup. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's just, it's so smooth. It's a future car. It's a future car that comes down because Blue Falcon is the DJ that Shaggy has hired to DJ this little opening. Um... Uh, and then, and then all of a sudden, it's, it it becomes magically or technologically embla- emblazoned with Mystery Machine colors. Yeah, that's right. I, for me, I was
1: disappointed that Fred loved the Mystery Machine that he thought it was a full replacement because it's not. Like he built that Mystery Machine himself. I think uh, you know what I'm reading too much into it. They didn't put <laughs> they put less effort into this than I'm putting in right now.
0: Um, the last lines. This is very unfortunate. Oh, I but think but you might so be saying what
1: I was gonna say. So please go right ahead.
0: What do you say, buddy? <laughs> And then the last lines are Scooby saying, let's Scooby Dooby do it. And then the movie ends. (laughs) Why would you end the movie like that? I Okay, two things.
1: First, when that happened, I went back to rewatch the montage at the beginning of the movie. I actually really did as a palate cleanser.
0: Oh, wow. That's a great idea, actually. I
1: I, I highly recommend anyone listening in, if you're going to watch this movie, if you haven't already, or if you did, just finish it. Go back and rewatch the montage towards
0: the beginning of the movie. It helps. Um, um, this is a last note about, about the actual, like, runtime. times you're watching it from beginning to end. At the end of the movie, during the end credits, mm-hmm. they heavily imply that there's going to be the formation of, I believe it's called the Falcon Force. I, I kind of skimmed Wikipedia for this. But that there's going to be an Avengers-style super team that is existing in this Hanna-Barbera universe. It has Adam Ant. I actually like Adam Ant a lot, because he's a small ant who's strong. I think Grape Ape. Yeah. Some kind of, uh, octopus guy- uh, I don't know. Someone else. A robot. Else. I can't remember. Might be one yeah. of them.
1: We see Dick Dastardly and Mutley escape from jail. I think we see Mutley rescue Dick Dastardly from jail.
0: Right, because you can't send a dog to jail. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: he was free. That was their mistake. Can you
0: confine a dog to hell? Yes. Yeah.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Also, also, I gotta say, rewinding a little bit, it's kind of. Wild that everybody is like, yeah, the human sacrificed himself for the dog, spent an eternity in hell so we could all hang out with the dog. <laughs> That's cool with us. <laughs> and yeah, who's going to tell Shaggy's parents, by the way? <laughs> they're like, I'm sorry, Shaggy
0: had to go yeah, to They're hell. like, sure, uh, a dog can only, especially a large dog, only has a maximum lifespan of... Mm-hmm.
1: They stated in the movie that Scooby has been around for 10 human years, and he was not <laughs> newborn when Shaggy met him. So they really sh- they consigned Shaggy to an eternity in hell for a few more years, with Shaggy and with Scooby as his health declines, and and that really oh, is the boy. movie. That's it, front, front to back. That's the movie. Here's if I can, I've got a couple of questions.
0: Let's do it. Let's let's wrap this up. It's uh, first first question first, and then we'll get into okay. Your, hit me. Did you like Scoob? It's about as general as it can get.
1: I thought Scoob was fine. I, I is ultimately how i feel
0: i think scoob uh definitely serves its old school audience it gives them enough easter eggs it gives them a, enough you know little details that i think in some ways they'll be satisfied but I, it, in a junk food way mm-hmm. and and here's the thing i would never slam junk food i think junk food's fine i had pizza today it was delicious it it is what it is it's not substantial that leads me kind of to my next question.
1: You know, there's nothing wrong with junk food. There's nothing wrong with a movie that's not aimed at us. Two-part question. Did you like this movie? And in that same sense, do you think you would have liked this movie or felt differently about it if you saw it when you were younger? For instance, the age when we saw the original live-action
0: Scooby-Doo, which we both love. I saw the original Scooby-Doo when I, I think I was 12 years old. I saw it in theaters whenever that was. Yeah, I, I, it was already out on like, cassette or whatever when I, when I watched it. <laughs> VHS. Um, <sighs> I think I want to say here's the thing. It's so hard to go back because because you always want to say like, oh yeah, I was you can't go I back. was a child, a tween of of discerning taste, you know. But mm-hmm. I I I want to say that I think I would have been confused by who all these characters were supposed to be. Because here's the thing, I'm, I'm putting myself in the shoes as, as, as a child today, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a child today knows who Scooby Doo is, knows who Fred, Velma, Daphne, Shaggy are, in because of, of pop culture they have an idea who the mystery who the gang are mystery incorporated are they don't know who captain caveman are they don't know who the blue falcon are they don't know who all these characters are and i think it it puts you in this weird space where like there's a familiarity but then they're throwing all this unfamiliar stuff at you
1: i agree with that and i think it also puts itself in a little bit of a tough position where it's making some jokes and references that i i think you got to be our age or older to get and a lot that I think really are aiming for a younger demographic. This is one of those movies that I think tries to to spread itself and, and goes a little too thin in the process. Another question for you. As we said, Scooby and Shaggy mentioned uh, towards the end of the movie as a kind of a big, big thing. We've been through a lot. We've grown. Did they? Were either of
0: those statements true? We've been through a lot. I think you could argue that. We've grown. So, Scooby and Shaggy, I... I I will say I can say this objectively. I think their relationship with one another, their friendship, I think has been stretched more than it ever has. They've never fought before. That's something that Scooby directly tells Blue Falcon that we've never fought before. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think that that's true. Do I think that that then places them in a in a position where all of a sudden they can come up with plans and and, and you know uh, no. <laughs> I don't that, think
1: that. Out of nowhere. I also think that Shaggy's kind of epiphany of, like, I need to let Scooby grow. Basically, when he has his, like, pep talk he gives the whole group, comes out of nowhere. He's had no real growth, and he's he's done no real self-reflection to to get there. I get it, and I think it would work for most people watching this movie, but I think it's an emotionally unsatisfying movie in a lot of ways. And final question, if I may. If you could change just one or two things about this movie to punch it up, what major changes or small little changes, what things would you change? <laughs> uh, and I cannot place the two of us in the writer's room for this film. You, Unfortunately, it's a bit late for that. But you know what? I, I really hope, and this is something I've thought, that people who will s- either are on track to write Scooby-Doo or might someday write for Scooby-Doo could be listening to us and could be taking our advice, maybe. What advice would you give? Say somebody wants to learn a lesson from this movie because someday
0: they're gonna make the next one. I think what you need to do when you when you make a Scooby Doo movie is try to figure out what it is about Scooby Doo that people love. Mm. Like what's like the essence? You can't. I don't know. You, you know, a, a lot of it it feels like set dressing. A lot, if you know, it feels like we have characters in, like these outfits or whatever. But like, are they the characters? And and. I think they're such archetypes that you truly can, like, bend and stretch them into almost anything you want. To some extent, and we did not like Scooby Apocalypse, that is a valid interpretation of sorts of those characters. No,
1: I'd put Scooby Apocalypse all on execution, really, because I think it's character choices in a broad sense. Like, you squint and you look at it, it could work.
0: But but you can't—you you have to know— you have to understand Scooby-Doo before you make a Scooby-Doo movie. That's And I know that's broad, but that's my advice.
1: I, I hear you on that. I I, th- I think I agree with you on that, that there's not a full understanding here. I had two changes I would ask. Okay. One would be a, a selfish recast. Um, let's get Matt, Maddie Lillard in there. I think that would that would help a lot. Nothing against forte.
0: More like will piano. Am I right? Ooh, <laughs>
1: oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> more like more like won't forte. Am I right? <laughs> Listeners, aren't you glad you stayed to the end? Aren't you glad? Oh. <laughs> There were a couple of good jokes still remaining from this movie
0: Oh man I
1: I don't know I don't know what it says about me But I thought that was so funny I I can't believe how hard that got you It got me so hard Oh man Alright I had had a real thought I was going to give And I'm going to get back to it that's one. That's the minor change. Here's the big change I think I would have liked to see, and this, is, this gets into a little bit of my big thought on the movie. I think this movie could have been improved many-fold if we just established that Dick Dastardly's real motivation, that the thing that really drives him is that he's jealous of Scooby and Shaggy because he misses Muttley. Wow,
0: that's amazing, actually.
1: I, I think it would have, because this whole movie is about close friendships between... Uh, humans and dogs, really. There's three. There's Scooby and Shaggy. There's um, Dino, Mutt, and Brian, uh, Blue Falcon. And there's Dick Dasterly and Muttley. And I think there's something to be said for that being worth exploring. I think they could have done a lot to like... Okay, and I'm gonna give them some specific notes. The movie should have dropped in immediately with show me the f- meaning of being lonely, just with Shaggy walking looking sad. Make huh. that... That's already the norm of his life. He's a sad, lonely guy. As quick as you can, Scooby jumps in and make it a Scooby is saving Shaggy kind of thing where it's like Shaggy's hopeless without Scooby. So when the time comes when Scooby's leaving him, we really sense that he needs him. And Dick Dastardly, because he's insecure and hates them, can twist that knife even more. You're nothing. Make him not talk to Scooby and say you're everything without Shaggy. Make him talk to Shaggy and say you're nothing without Scooby. Um, Furthermore, (laughs) I'm I'm listening. The one thing, I think it, it plays up the best part of this movie, which I teased when we ended the last episode. The best part of this movie is the title, Scoob. Because the original Scooby-Doo was, Scooby-Doo, where are you? It's something Shaggy shouts because he feels lonely. He needs his friend. He's scared. And he needs someone to at least be scared with him. I think this is the perfect update of that that you can find in the original. Scooby still Shaggy still says Scoob in the original, but it makes sense that he'd say that now. Like, Scoob! That, that's his cry. Have him use that at multiple points in the movie as as a just a boiling down, just a, a microcosm, a, just sh- a, a bird's eye picture of his desperation and loneliness and need for Scooby. Then when he's finally locked in hell, Scooby's the one who shouts out, "Raggy!" And uh, it, it, I feel like that's, this movie had, kind of like Scooby Apocalypse, you squint and you can see a good story, but the execution, I think, fails it a little bit. Thank you. That is my full, no joke, four minutes of talking to you straight about no, what- that's
0: like a TED talk. Okay, so legit though, um, the fact that there's the, that parallelism that exists between the three relationships of man and dog- And they don't draw it actually, out. Actually, those bones are there. You know, like like the framework is there mm-hmm. for like a really, really compelling and funny story because each relationship is funny in its own way. And dude, do you want to hear, hear a really big brain moment, man? You
1: said this story has good bones, and there's three different dog relationships. Um, Cerberus is a three-headed dog whose bones they seek in this movie. I mean, Luke, they... I,
0: I can see your cranium extending. It's, it's I, I got a killer headache. It looks like man. it's bursting. Oh my <laughs>
1: migraine!
0: Oh.
1: Are these worms crawling over my skull or just veins? It looks like
0: just one of the cone heads right now. E equals MC
1: squared. The root of a triangle is <laughs> A squared plus B squared equals the speed of light. Right. Any final thoughts
0: on Scoob? Who, here's my final question. Who, who in this movie, in, in this animated film for children, who is the hottest? <laughs>
1: this is the <laughs>
0: hmm <laughs> all right um why, why hasn't who, who directed this warner brothers animation or whatever yeah why hasn't warner brothers animation taken a page from pixar's book and uh <laughs> well I, I actually i'm not sure what you're getting at right now have, have you ever have you ever seen those posters all these memes about how like oh pick the Incredibles. Uh... Uh, all, all the moms in Pixar movies are—they're desi- all designed like dump trucks, basically.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did like a spit take of water I drank an hour ago. I just recorded. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cut the episode there. Cut the episode there. <laughs> so, let's talk. A little bit about where people can
0: follow up with us uh you want how about i just go through a bunch and then you can make say something dumb at least that's a <laughs> <You> freaking... <laughs> don't dude don't
1: spell out our formula people are gonna steal that that's like those are our, those are our seven original
0: herbs and spices <laughs> um listen go to www.scoobydudes.com um find the page the page for every episode, there's its own page, it has all this great information, uh sometimes screenshots with captions, little details, little show notes. It's always valuable. Go to ScoobyDoods.com. Email us at ScoobyDudesPodcast at gmail.com. Follow us either on Twitter at, at the ScoobyDoods or Facebook.com slash ScoobyDoods.
1: Excuse <laughs> me. Is that good? Is uh, that, I feel like that might have been too much smarter than I normally do. Might catch some of our listeners unaware. A little highbrow for some of you guys. Can you explain that joke in the in the show notes? Neil
0: deGrasse Tyson, is that you? <laughs> oh,
1: <yes>. Actually, <laughs> it's not cow farts that are destroying the atmosphere. It's my farts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson. Not cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh forgive me. Um, Please,
1: hire hire me to write the
0: next Scooby movie. <laughs>
1: you need us in the writers
0: room. Uh I so for our fans, this it's been so gratifying just doing these little seems like little bonus off hiatus episodes mm-hmm. for you. I think we have I can only promise one more in the pipe. After that, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, yeah. still staying at home here in Toronto. One one last thing. Another place you can find me, Evan online is if you go to facebook.com slash btcw evan those are the letters btcw and then my name evan that's a place on facebook where every thursday 8 p.m eastern standard time i'm reading a few chapters from a romance novel i made that page whatever it exists you want you want a little bit more of half the scooby-doo's content you can be there fun fact luke Is also there in the comments almost all the time.
1: You can get maybe not the other half, but like five percent of the other half uh, in the comments,
0: um, doing some of the worst comedy of my life. I'm happy to say this might be the first time we've ever had, we've ever promised a real time experience with the two of us.
1: Actually, that you know that's true. You could someone could chat with both of us at the same time with this uh, with this medium. So that's just uh, something all fun. You could consider it, try try it out. out. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening in. And you know what? Thank you to the people who worked on and made this movie. I know I had some ungenerous things to say in this episode and last, but I'm grateful for
0: the watching experience. I can't say that I had a bad time uh, throughout. I have two final things to say as we end this episode. The, the first thing is I just want to give a little shout-out to Beth Turnsek. She is the one who did the uh, cover art for this episode as well as last episode. Thank you. Um, you can find her on Twitter, uh, tumblr and Instagram for Twitter are these all slightly different <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter it's twitter.com slash rollin rabbits that's rolling rabbits minus the G for tumblr it's tum- it's rolling that's rolling rabbits minus the s and for Instagram it is rollin rabbit that's rolling rabbits minus the G and minus the S uh the last thing i the last thing i was gonna say was black lives matter <laughs> black lives matter we should all be on board with that I, i'm really sorry I, I like i i know i want to be upfront. i know a lot of people turn to entertainment to get away from politics or whatever we've also always been i think pretty political and uh pretty overtly know, we're not yeah. not shy about it that's just something that uh that i want to say i i've posted it on all of our social media as well so not a secret
1: it's on our social media if you want a more complete message but yeah Black Lives Matter.
0: Hurry, say something dumb just so it's not so... uh... I really don't want (laughs) to. I don't want to. You know what?
1: (laughs) I I was farting throughout that. (laughs) For real.